I'm co-host James Ash. And I'm co-host Phil Scaife. Welcome to The Business Lockdown. So welcome on today's show, show number 21 actually, I can't even, just checked, I can't believe we're 21 shows in, is Matt Das. Matt Das is a friend of mine, we've known each other for a few years. Uh, Matt runs Eon Visual Media and also Springfield Solutions. Um, so welcome on episode 21, Matt, how are you doing? I'm very well, thanks James, Thank, thanks for having me on, it's a pleasure. No, it's, it's, uh, it's our pleasure. Um, First of all, you, you wear two hats with your businesses. So delve into if you can delve into to your businesses uh, for us and for our audience. I'd love to love to find out more, please. Yeah, definitely, James. And as you say, I've got two businesses. Uh, one is Eon Visual Media. We are a, a digital media production company. We produce websites, video, two D, three D animation, apps, um, and design and digital marketing. That's been running for ooh, about 30 years now in different guises. I've actually part on the business uh, since 2003. Um, and that's when it became the name that it's known now, Eon Visual Media Limited. And we work in a number of sectors, uh, mainly healthcare. We do some work in, in sport. And more recently, we're doing a lot of work in, uh, in the food sector. And what we do in those sectors is, is help those businesses promote, educate, um, showcase their products, but also their way of working. And they try and educate people using digital media tools. So, for example, we could, um, we could be developing a, a, an e-learning application that people use on, on their tablets, which will tell you about the benefits of using a particular product and how that combats a particular ailment, certainly in the healthcare sector. And we, we twin that quite nicely with our animation side of the business, which um, obviously explains how products work really well. So when we're talking about some complex things around healthcare, take the coronavirus for, for example, mm-hmm. um, how, you know what 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 that does to the body when it gets into the body, and then how how those drugs stop it doing that or, or prevent it. Um, we do that a lot of that in three D animation, so we've got a wealth and you know many years of experience in that. And then we combine it with our our developers who then make the the apps that link into um, CRM systems, sales systems, and things like that. So they've got some quite intelligent sophistication behind them, really. Um, the way the business is structured is I, um, I 50% own the business with my business partner, Steve, Steve Forster, and um, we have a guy called James Cherry, who I think you know, James. Uh, mm-hmm. he, um, he, um, he sort of runs it on a day-to-day basis, really, and then it's split into two halves. So we have like um, the web and the app development or the, the techie, geeky side, if you like. And then on the other side is like the uh, creative side, which is all the two D video, three D animation, and things like that. Where do you where do you where do you fall? Where's your preference, Matt, in those two in those two areas? It's a really good question, that because um, I, I trained originally as a as a graphic designer, and um, you know I, I did a A level on art and things like that. So I get I guess I'm a, a creative at heart, but I think I, I really like technology, but not technology for technology's sake technology that's um, 
you know, beneficial, I think, is the main thing that improves mm-hmm. life, I think. So I, I do love gadgets. I do love tech. I'm not so good in terms of programming languages and, you know, the, the, the guts behind it. But I do, um, I do love things that just work, you know, seamlessly and, and perhaps change people's behaviours as well, you know, in terms of the way that they, they operate and, you know, helps them operate more efficiently, I guess. So I've got a foot sort of in both camps, but I think predominantly, I, I, I guess I'm a, a creative artistic person at heart, I think. <laughs> That's my missus, she'd tell her. <laughs> and what, what's, your, what, what, uh, what's your favourite project that sticks out with, that you've, you've worked on over the years in the young visual media? Uh, there's been some funny ones. Um, you know, we, we had to animate a, 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 a 3D erect penis for Durex, so that was quite... Um, <laughs> right, okay. That was quite fun because they were bringing out a new um, a new product, which um, I don't <laughs> I don't know what the proper word is, but it's um, a blood flow restrictor um, known as a cock ring, I suppose. Um, so that, Did you grab hold of that project with both hands, Matt? Was it literally like <laughs> <laughs> how does something? How does something like that? How do you get a project like that? I mean, does it go out to tender? You you meet? Is it through? contacts that you've worked with you know how, how does something like that come into your business yeah i mean we've, we've worked with um the durex team for quite, quite some time really so um we, we we've been working with Reckitt, rb Reckitt benkiza for um over 20 odd years now probably 25 years um they're they're literally across the road from where we're at we're a five minute walk from their office and i and i guess it's just you know, we, we've developed that relationship over the years and we have innovation days with those guys there and we go in and we show them the latest technology and um, we just, we've just built and, and grown that um, client base within, within RB really. Um, so when the, um, the 3D project came along, they, they, came, they came knocking. I think they had asked uh, a couple of other people as well, but um, I think because of our understanding of the product range in particular, Mm-hmm. Not, not personally, my hand. <laughs> Scientifically. <laughs> um, um, yeah, they came along and we had, uh, it was a brilliant, brilliant Friday afternoon meeting. You know, one of those meetings that you want to have on a Friday afternoon where you could almost crack the beers off and type of thing. It was one of those. <laughs> and we got this big projection screen on our wall at the offices and um, they'd obviously done the research and then um, this, this woman was presenting this thing and she pulled up some similar videos and animation that she'd got and our, our screen's like six foot B, eight foot or whatever. So there's this massive erect penis and she's like <laughs> a straight face behind it and there's me and Lottie going. <laughs> it's probably good he did have some beers in hand at that point. Oh, yeah, because... I don't, I don't, so. <laughs> well, yeah, so that, that, that's one that probably stands out. For, for, for a number of reasons. Um, but I, I mean, many, many moons ago, I worked on a, a massive project for Burger King, which was, um, which was great. It was a, it was- Was developed... that in the States? Was that in America and Canada, was it? Or was it just the States? Yeah, well, it was good. It was a global project, but it was, um, it was actually um, done out of Miami because that's where their headquarters were. So everything was filmed and produced in, in Miami. Um, so the project was probably about a two or three year project 
um, and it was to develop all of their training tools on DVD uh, globally. So if you, if you was an employee of Burger King, uh, instead of getting somebody to come and show you how to put your, your Whopper together, sort of leads on from Durex this, doesn't it? <laughs> I was just going to say, there's, there's a running theme here, Matt. There's a, there is a running theme here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so if you wanted to find out how, you, how to put your Whopper together, um, you, would, you would use one of our DVDs that we'd produced and we'd, we'd filmed it all in, um, in Miami and then we'd done the programming back here in Hull. And um, they, got, they got shipped literally to, to, to I, think was, I think they had about 12,000 restaurants across the world. And they, they were translated into all of those different languages. And that was the beauty of using DVD because you could, you could select the region you was in and select the language you was in and, and the content tailored to that particular region so, silly thing, but for example, in, in the UK, we only have one tomato in our Whopper. In the States, they have two tomatoes. So there's all those regional variations. But, you, but using the technology behind DVD, you could, you could jump out and just pick up that little bit of content that was different from the main strand of content. So right. that's, that's why we chose to develop it in that. So that, that was a big project. It involved a lot of traveling. It was, I guess it was my first real big you know it was it was over a million dollars the actual project itself so it was my first real massive project that we um that i i was sort of running um and i sort of inherited it a little bit off off, off um the, the previous multimedia manager at the time so that stands out as a, as a big project and something that i really enjoyed i really enjoyed the travel and working with the film crews and getting my head around and cutting my teeth really on, on such a big project so it was that was a great experience really did you experience some really uh, positive kickbacks on on that project once it's oh you know were the connections links in in, in similar industries or i mean i, I imagine that to be able to showcase that level of project as well yeah wouldn't do you any harm <clears throat> yeah i mean it's, it was an interesting business case really uh, and i guess it's an interesting business case on how not to do things because what we um what we experienced with Beggar King was that it was it was all consuming. So it kind of took us over. Do you know what I mean? And without properly having a having a, a step back and a proper business head on, we just got you know a big name, massive project, award winning, you know, winning awards off the back of it. Wow, this is fantastic! Allowing us to invest in equipment, invest in people for two or three years. It was. It was great, you know, but we was in it and we didn't see the bigger picture because when Burger King took it in-house, that was 85, 90% of all of our work. So it was wow. like, shit, what do we do now? <laughs> yeah. So, so what, did you do? How, what, what did you do and how long was that process between like realizing that, that, it, yeah. that it either was going to drop off or that, I mean, or did it drop off and then you realized, what, how did that look? Yeah. What what we what we'd done was we, when we'd got wind of um, them looking to um, bring it in house because there was you know there was there was buying their own kit and you know there was asking questions that sort of you know it got us thinking mm, you know this this looks like it'll it'll be taken in house at some point didn't give us a time frame but it looked like that's where where it was going we managed to sign a, a contract extension for six months. So it gives us a little bit of breathing space and, and income for six months. Ah, right, okay. At that, at that point, we thought, we really need to start doing something about this. Because we <laughs> recognised the fact that, you know, we'd forgotten about 
our core and, and I guess more local businesses. So we brought somebody in specifically to, to sort of work on business development before the end of that contract, sort of with at the beginning of that six month period. And, and we used the, I guess the might and the weight of the stuff that we've done from Burger King to create all of our promotional material and, and marketing, if you like. So we've just mm-hmm. done the award-winning DVD, global, pro- innovative projects, you know, come and work with us because we can, you know, that type of thing really. And, and that fortunately <laughs> and allow, allowed us to start discussions up again with people who we'd, I guess, quite honestly, sort of neglected while we'd been focusing on the on the beast um, and they was very receptive to talking to us again and opening up those relationships again and allowing us to show them what we've done and how they could implement some of those learnings into into their materials and that, their digital marketing content and things like that so I mean we're talking um, we're talking probably where are we now 2020 so it was um, that was probably 15 16 years ago so that it was at that point where we um, where we thought we needed, you know, we needed that impetus. And what, and what we did was it, the business sort of scaled back a bit when Burger King went, but it, it, it built gradually. So we had, we had um, people that was on contracts specifically to the, to the project itself. So we was allowed to sort of flex, if you, if you see what I mean. So nice. a lot of those people yep. went when the Burger King stuff went, but we kept the core set of people. And then we as and when we developed the, um, the other customers and, and the other projects, that gradually built back up again. Um, so it didn't all just disappear overnight, thank goodness. Um, but, it, you know, we, 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 we did recognize that we probably don't want to be in that situation ever again where we're, where we're putting all of our eggs in one basket. You know, it's a, it's a really precarious place to be. Um, you know, it's something that I think everybody should be, should be mindful of, really. It's, it's it's a great example. Um, I, I had that when um, I had the fashion business, and um, we were approached by Topshop, and it was to go down to uh, went down to Oxford Street to their uh, to the headquarters, and um, you know they were interested in um, us putting our our brand and our collection in their main store. And at first, you're like, this is this is brilliant. This is exactly what we want to do. You know, Topshop, huge huge brand, everybody knows. And then when you worked it out, you had a railing. And then they would take like thirty-seven and a half percent, and then you had to you had to provide a staff member and pay them to man one six-foot rail. So you've got that, and then when you worked it out, so you're like, right, actually, this is a pure marketing exercise. But I was fortunate at the time when we looked at it, and we just we were aware that it would just sap all of our resources, and we weren't able to do that on a pure marketing. So it's great having having that marketing exposure. Um, and the power of that, but not if it saps up all of your resources. You know, you've got to, like you said, you've got to make sure you continue moving and progressing. And, and the other thing as well we found, which we, we had some really good key people around us who'd experienced um, with, with some bigger brands before, is that we'd, we'd spent, you know, a good two years, three years building up our independence in different cities. And, um, and what, you know, if it all went well with Topshop, then they roll you out into different cities and then your brand is in as it is now as a competitor to your independence. So you lose your independence. Mm-hmm. And then when the next big thing comes along, then Topshop drop you and you're left with neither. And so we 
we, you know, we learned that valuable lesson before actually making that decision. And it's, it's, it's a really important lesson. Um, please, you brought that up for people out there because it is it's like, you know, you kind of, it's, you almost feel like you're pinching yourself, don't you? That, that it's, it's the ultimate, yeah. but you've got to, you've got to uh, learn, learn from, from that experience. And it, and it seems that it was great and it, that you were able to flex in such a way must have been yeah. so crucial rather than yeah, be like, right, okay, we're chasing, chasing the next uh, contact or client that would be at that size, which, you know, would be, I imagine many sleepless nights and headaches and the oh, pressure. Yeah in the team of that size yeah i mean, I mean yeah we, we went we went through all that james you know there was, was a time when you thought <laughs> you know is, is there going to be a, a business there you know because it is that big a big of a beast that that's all consuming you know so uh, fortunately we we spotted it just in time and, and and managed to do something about it thank goodness you know so yeah we did manage to to get out the other side of it but i think I think the other thing that I know we'll get onto that at some point, but you know, with all the the thing around the coronavirus at the moment, I was I was thinking the other day about which business is bulletproof, you know, when it comes to something like this. You know, which yeah. business is bulletproof because it affects everybody, doesn't it? You know, and you, mm-hmm. you, you think about how how you can try and protect yourself against. You know this doomsday scenario, and it and it's for me what I found in in my other business in, in Springfield is is that spread of work and that being involved with different sectors is really helping. You know to to, to mitigate mm-hmm. some of that because some markets have gone like that and some markets have yeah. gone like that. So if, so for example, we've got um, a, a customer that we supply and. Um, Printed labels into all of their restaurants. So, and this is Springfield Springfield right. Solutions. Yeah, yep. yeah. This is this is Springfield. Sorry. Um, so they they supply we supply printed labels that go on sauces mainly into restaurants. So that business has gone overnight. Finished. Yeah, because the restaurants are shut. Nobody's using the sauces. It's gone. But then we've got another customer who makes hand sanitizer. So. That, that has gone through the roof because people yeah. can't buy enough hand sanitizer. So it's, it's you know, it's really, it's really got me thinking these last three or four weeks about how, how you protect your business going forward and le- and taking the learnings from what's happening now, particularly um, in, into, into your, your, your strategy and, and how you use that to, to, to look at the markets that, that you're in really. So that's been a, that's been a current learning. What, uh, you know, approximate what kind of uh, yeah, growth has that business seen? I mean, hand, hand sanitizer has never been needed so much, you know, in our, in, in, ever really. What's, uh, what, what, you know, as a percentage, how has that, how has that increased? I, you know, I haven't, I haven't done the actual um, analysis in terms of, of, you know, what, what it was like this time last year versus what it's like now. Um, but I can just tell you that there's, there's 400,000 labels, hand sanitizer labels going out today, for example, and, and that's a daily occurrence. So it's, it's just, I mean, people can't, we can't print enough labels, they can't make enough of it. It's, at the minute, it's just, it's phenomenal, really. It's, it really is. I mean, that, and um, we, we provide cleaning um, labels that go on to cleaning products that are being used in all the hospitals. Um, so it's having a it's having a massive effect on on Springfield really. 
Do you want me to just go into the Springfield bit? Because I yeah, well, I, I, just uh, before we do so, I'm just curious on so how does that look in the business? Because you're, you've just said you can't print enough. So how does that how does that look in terms of being able to still run your business safely and efficiently? Uh, yeah. with that in mind. Yeah, well, we, we obviously we're 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 operating to in, in in line with the government guidance, which is using the social distancing. We're, We've got all of the um, hand sanitizer stations. We've got all the hand washing stations. We've got um, a level of PPE equipment in terms of gloves. We, we've not gone to the face masks yet. Um, we have the floor markings so people know what two meters is away. We've got digital signage around the building. We've got um, pop-ups around the building. So there's a reminder around every corner that you go around. Um, yeah. We've opened up areas that where, where people have, uh, are now working from home, we've opened them up for um, canteen areas, for example, so that you don't, you're not sat next to each other when you're having meals and things like that. So we've, we've had to adapt quickly, obviously, as, as all businesses have that have continued to operate. Uh, and, and it seems to be running well, you know, and, you know, touch wood, we, we've not seen a, a dramatic impact yet on on the business in terms of the springfield side um with eon it's slightly different because all all those guys have been able to work from home so that's that's happened pretty much since day one of lockdown they've all all gone home uh, and they're all starting to, to to work from home i've started um, whereas here where we're printing a physical thing that's a piece of equipment that's bigger than the room i'm sat in and you know it's it, you can't do that you need reels of paper and you know you, can, you just can't do that at home so on the, on the scale of what what we're doing it so yeah we've had to adapt and adjust but where, where people can work from home they have um but our printers for example and our logistics people that are shipping the the labels out that are going into these key industries are all still coming into work still on site and and are recognized as key workers due to the fact that they're supplying into the NHS, the British Army, um, the homeless helpers. Um, we've just done some labels that have um, that have gone onto the oxygen tanks that they're using in NHS Nightingale, for example. So, yeah. So the the, the pro products that we're supplying the packaging for are getting used on the front line, basically. So that's obviously part of um, a key. Um, uh, and the other side, I've, I've just dropped off. I've just come from um, the Aura Centre at um, the University of Hull. I've just dropped off our first batch of 3D printed head visors. So we've been 3D printing them as well. <laughs> right, uh, okay. And is that, oh, which good. business is that with? So I'm just, is that design concepts and everything through Eon and then Springfield are the printers of that. So is that, that pro is that how that process works? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You spot on. Awesome. That, yeah. Cause um, the, 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 the print equipment sits within Springfield, but the design team sit within, within Eon. So that, yeah, exactly. Exactly. That. And so is that, um, am I right in guessing that's where Springfield was, was born? You know, if you're, you're doing all of this work with Eon and you're, you're sending it out to printers and stuff. And once you get to a certain point, does it just make sense that why don't we create our own printing company? My yeah. about... no, 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 I was no. on a roll as well. I was yeah, on a roll. No, no, no. No, no um, Springfield's been going since 1975. I know I don't, okay. look that, I don't look that old. Do I? 
I'm saying nothing. I'm saying nothing. So give us a little bit of a background into that, that business then. Is that something you bought into, you took over, you became a partner with it? No, no, that's, it's, it's my dad's company. Um, so my, right. So my dad founded um, Springfield in 1975, um, which, believe it or not, was actually a year before I was born. Um, and he, he trained as a, um, a printer. So he, he worked for a company called Metalbox, which was based in Hull. And they printed onto metal, directly onto metal sheets that were used for the likes of whiskey tins, for paint tins, those types of things. And it was quite a, it was quite a, a manual, you know, quite a, a, a tough job. He actually got the job because my my grandma, his mum, was the forewoman at the at the at the plant. And my dad, my dad didn't do very well at school. He's dyslexic, um, so. My grandma was obviously a little bit concerned about him. You know, how is he going to get a job type of thing? And um, she pinched the results of the apprenticeship um, exam to get into the business and uh, brought it home. He revised them. He went in and he got a job as an apprentice, working as an apprentice printer. That's how he got the job. So he, so he worked there and he worked there for a, a good few years, lent his craft, lent his trade, um, but then spotted a gap in the market and, um, which was uh, around a proofing service. So what they was doing is they was printing millions and millions and millions of sheets of flat metal that was being formed into these cans and whiskey tins and all that stuff. And then the customer would come and they'd go, that's not the right blue. You know, why, why have you used the wrong blue color on that? So that was a million sheets in the bin. Oh, you know, shit, that's a lot of money. Oh, yeah, there's, yeah. There's, there's some, text that's not quite right on there. So my dad had obviously worked in this and he, he, he spotted a gap in the market for, for um, creating a proofing service. So he invested in a, in a proofing machine. And not like now, he, he, he send a print to your printer and have a look at it and make sure it's all right and you know do, do what you can do now. Obviously that wasn't around in, in back in the early 70s. So he, he invested in this this proofing machine, which was which was twice as much, was roughly twice as much as the cost of the house that they were living in. So he had to he had to put up the um, the full wow. value of the house against the proofing press. So you know it took some balls to be able to make that decision. I've got two older sisters, so my my mum was at home, two kids at home, and I was on the way. So it was like wow. talk about going. You know, all going in. for it, yeah, all <laughs> in. So, so, you know, Springfield is all down to, you know, my dad taking that risk and, and working his balls off as well to, to make it work because he, he went through some tough times and he built the business up. And he started proofing um, magazine adverts initially. So he was, he was, so people that were paying a lot of money to take an advert out in Time Life magazine, for example, they didn't want to get to this print room and see it was the wrong color or whatever. So he'd proof them out and he'd charge a premium and that's how the business got started. And then he saw, because he worked in packaging previously through the metal decorating, he saw a niche developing for packaging proofing. So showing what your packaging is gonna look like when you send it to the likes of a metal box or a big printer, you know, I can do all the proofing for you and we can create the artwork and do all that. So that's how the business got going and started started evolving by specializing in, in that proofing service and doing 
and, and really being innovative in that field. So, so Springfield, we were one of the first to start using computers to create packaging outlets. So before Apple Max came along, we invested in a system called Purup, which was a Danish system, which was a, a bespoke system that allowed you to start. It's like a very early days of, um, you know, Photoshop and Illustrator and th things like that. Mm -hmm. It was, but they wasn't around at the time. But then obviously when the, when the Macs came out, I think we were one of the first companies in Europe to get an Apple Mac and started to develop desktop publishing, as, as you're more than aware of. James and, and that and that's when the business really started to take off in terms of providing a reprographic service for, for packaging customers. So yeah, we, we work with um, a lots of well-known brands now in, in, in packaging, um, not only in terms of their proofing, so making sure that their artworks are going to look right when they get sent to the printers, but then we actually print self-adhesive labels that go into packaging as well. But everything we do is done digitally so we don't use any old methods of printing every, every every everything we do our full process is is digital from start to finish and that's our our, our usp if you like so that allows us to be more efficient it allows us to turn things around faster it, uh, you know it allows people to customize personalize any piece of packaging that they want to so we've got you know it's in it's in our blood you know this digital is, is, is in our blood and that's that's the way that we're going and the way that will we'll remain, you know, for the future, really. So, did so, did Springfield um, provide uh, the, the, your first job? You know, was did that replace the the paper round um, as a 13, 14 year year old version of yourself? How did you guess? <laughs> <laughs> I was I was thinking, right, I'm I'm gonna have a go at this again and see if I can get back on my roll. But um, yeah, what was, was that? I guess. That yeah. was inevitable, right? That you, yeah, you, so you I've, been, gonna... I've been coming to work since, I've, since I was about 12, really. And wow. That's, that's been, because I was a bit of a lad and a bit of a, a, bit of a bad lad, I, I used to get into a few scrapes and a bit of trouble. So I used to have to work for nothing in the summer holidays just to pay off all, <laughs> pay off all, pay off all the police fans. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> wow. Okay, interesting. Um, <laughs> So yeah, I've been coming in, um, yeah, ever since I can remember, really. And it's actually how I met my wife. So I, so my wife started as a 17-year-old apprentice working for Springfield, and I was coming in. So she's a couple of years older than me, and I, I was like a 15-year-old lad coming in on a, you know, on a summer, summer holidays doing doing work, and that that's how we first. Met. We didn't get together when I was 15, but you know, that's, that's how we first met. We got together after, after that, but that's, that's how we met. Wow, wow. Um, curious on, um, on, on the inside of things, something I'd like to ask is, because you said that you've got the website kind of, you, you provide websites, mm -hmm. and then you've got AR and VR. Now, mm -hmm. on, the, on, the, on, the, on the face of that, it seems like, we've seen a decline in, you know, just who are pure website developers and with the likes of uh, Wix now where you can, you know, you can pay £8 a month to have your website and you can set it up, there's tools there to, to yeah. create a website yourself. Have you seen a real decline over the past few years in, in the website stuff? And then, and then with that in mind, you know, because the, the, the app, even the app side, the VR, VR, AR side of things, has that just rocketed? Yeah, yeah, I, I guess, yeah, it has. Yeah, you know, no, you're spot on there with, in terms of um, 
the way that you can now build websites yourself quite effectively, efficiently, cheaply. Um, this template-driven approach is, you know, WordPress, you know, Wix, whatever, um, it has sort of eaten into the sort of a, a website designer, developer, whatever you want to call it, business. But I think I think what we've always done as a as a website developer is we, we've We've not really gone after the business where, you know, what, what you'd call, um, I guess, a, a brochure website or so, something that showcases you, you, your business. We've been always been more about integration in terms of how usability, going back to what I said earlier about myself, you know, really, let's not use technology for technology's sake. Let, let's make it do something that's going to add value to your business. And I think that's the way that we've always tried to approach web development is yeah you can have this all singing all dancing but what's it going to do for you is it going to is it going to link to your e-commerce platform is it going to be able to link to your crm system so that you know who you've spoke to when you spoke to them is it going to give you the right intelligence in terms of selling the right products to the right people so we've always approached web projects with 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 that in mind and we haven't really chased as much the um I guess what I call a standard website build, and I know that's been very, um, I guess, disrespectful in some ways to, 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 to website build, but it's always been about what's it, what will, what will it do? What are the benefits of having it? And that's the question that we always ask. And, and often we, customers will come to us and say they want a website and we'll say, well, no, actually you just need sort of digital marketing campaign and social media presence, or, you know, you need a video that explains what this product does. And, you know, so, we, we will often dissuade people from thinking that, that that's what they need. Um, so the, there has been a decline in, in general web work, but my point is that from, from an Eon point of view, we, we wouldn't necessarily attack it from, from that side anyway. We would, we would attack it more from a, a what's it going to do, what are the benefits, and what's mm -hmm. the inspiration. I think the, the AR stuff and the VR stuff has been, has been really interesting, and it's, it's interesting that you make the point about the template-driven approach of website build, because AR will go exactly the same way as will VR. Um, right. Because how many years? If you were, you know, if you were betting man, if you're gambling man, you know, it's it's nearly here. Well, right. it, it is here. Um, you know, you, there's a product called Adobe Aero that's out now. Um, if you've got a 3D asset, you download their app, you import it into their app, you've done your AR app. You know, it's it's. It's, it's here, it's already here in terms of being able to showcase things in augmented reality. As long, as long, but going back to the creative side, you need them assets and you need that 3D um, experience, you need the, you know, the Unity programmers, you need the 3D developers. You, you can't get away from the fact that you need a combination of both. You, know, you, you, you need your techie geeks, but you also need your your creatives because ultimately they're gonna they're gonna help you with user experience with 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 actual the the immersion and the engagement in terms of the content and, and how people engage with it so you you need the, those two but yeah it's, it's interesting that you you make that thing the statement about websites you know coming down because they're all template driven now and that's why we, we've always got to keep an eye on, on what's coming next. You know, what, what's, what's the next yeah, thing? Yeah. Because if, same as the Burger King story, if we've got all our eggs in, in AR 
and then Adobe come out with a product that just wipes us off the face, then we'll bug it out. So yeah. um, it, it's, it's understanding those technologies and understanding where we fit from a content producer point of view. And I think that's why, you know, I, I explained at the beginning that Eon is a digital media pr producer. So, so we create digital media content. Now that might be an augmented reality app, but you need some engaging content that sits behind that. You know, right. so you might not use yeah. the dev tools that the developers will do, but you use our 3D animators and, and you know, the Unity people. So it's, it's, it's that balance, di digital media content production, you know, and it, it's, it's both of those things, really. Awesome. Well, um, we're friends on Facebook and it seems you're always out running. <laughs> um, yeah. And I know you, um, you've, you've done a, a number of charity runs with uh, a friend of ours, Paul Spence, who's got Paul for Brain. Injury. Is it Paul for brain injury or Paul for brain recovery? It's Paul for brain recovery. Paul for brain recovery. Paul Spencer, we've got him on the show this week. So I gave him a call. It's been a while since I spoke to him. And he asked how I've been in a kind of in a nutshell. And then I said, normally I'd catch up with you. I'd ask you the same, but I don't want to do that out now because I, I want to find out, you know, when, when you're on the show. So it'll be, uh, it'll be authentic. But um yeah, to give us a bit of insight into that, because we, we, we spoke the other day and the importance of, um, of exercise and you're going out for runs for, for, to, for your mental well-being. Um, yeah. So you talk to us about that and, and some of the, some of the, um, the runs that you've been on, because I know you've been um, in some, some um, weird and wonderful places. <laughs> yeah, no, no it's, it's good. I mean, ever since a young age, I've always um, enjoyed exercise. And, you know, if, if, if being completely honest, I, I think that, that's probably the career path that I'd wanted to go down if I was ever good enough. You know, I'd, I'd love to have been a professional sports person in some way, you know, because um, so, I was just mad on sport. and I still am, really. I, I just I just love watching it. I love, I love taking part in it. And um, I guess that kind of came from my dad as well uh, quite a lot. Cause he used to take me to, to watch Rovers and uh, rugby and stuff like that. So... Yeah, I've, all, I've always enjoyed it. I've always loved it. But I guess what happens when you get to 18, 19 and you, you start meeting girls and you start maybe drinking a bit too much and you know, enjoying yourself a bit too much, you sort of you forget about those things that you really loved and uh, you go off down a slightly different path, don't you? And, you know, I, I certainly neglected my, my health and my mental well-being for, for a good few years when, when you know, I was out drinking with the lads and um, probably doing things that we shouldn't necessarily have been doing and, you know, all that stuff. So you, you kind of forget that. And then, and then you sort of, sounds like I'm going for a right midlife crisis, doesn't it? But <laughs> you, you sort of rediscover yourself at some point along the journey, don't you? So I, I got to yeah. like uh, early thirties and, and I, I, um, I sort of, I, we, we moved to, to um, a remote, not like remote, but just a village on the outskirts of Hull and, um, every year they had a 10k race, a running race, a 10k running race. And then um, first year we was there, I said to my wife, I said, oh, I'm going to run that next year. It's a bit of a goal for me. I'll, I'll run that next year. Second year came around, I saw the signs, went, oh, definitely going to do that next year. Definitely, I'll definitely do that next year. And then the third year came around and she, she didn't say anything to me until the third year. And she said, um, I said, oh, yeah, next year I'm, I'm going to do that. She said, do you know, that's three years in a row you've said that. You either start doing what you say or just don't say it. So I said, do you know what? You've got a bloody great point there. Why, why talk about something if you're not, not going to do it? 
So, so that was a red flag. That I was like, a, <laughs> I, was, I was running that night, you know, I was like, <laughs> right, oh, really? I'll, show I'll show you, I'll show you. So that's what start, that's what kick started it really. My 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 misses and because I've never really been into running. I must admit, I was ne- I was never that mad keen on it. Um, but my goal was to run this 10k, and uh, I trained and I'm quite an obsessive person, you know, quite an obsessive nature, and um, realised the amount of benefit I was getting from it just mentally and how good I was feeling and. Oh God, this is this is good, you know. And it it, it yeah, I guess it is it becomes like a bit of a drug, really, um, and a, a release. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, it just went on from there. I did the ten k, and then after I did the ten k, I was lucky enough to get um, accepted to run the uh, Great North Run, which is the half marathon, um, up in um, Newcastle way there. So I, I did that, and I thought, right, half marathon, next thing marathon so did the manchester marathon as my first ever marathon and then it just went on from there i just i just I, my, my life is now around um three to four month training programs to, i saw to, it i saw i saw you put a yeah. picture up of your training program and i looked yeah. at that and i thought this yeah. that's beyond my my yeah, like yeah. ability of right. to be able to focus and stuff like just yeah you want it so structured and it's yeah, like it's, quite quite you know, with stuff like that you know it, Forget some. If I get if I get that goal, you know that challenge, like the, the wife put down, um, Christina, then I've got to get there. And, it, and my way of do, dealing with that is 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 to sort of put some kind of structure to it, you know. And and then I guess in some way I'd, I'll beat myself up if I don't do it, you know. And, and I guess mentally it's it's a mental challenge, not only the running, but the, the the fact that you've got to get up. So this morning I was up at half five. I did eight miles, you know, cause, and it. Like last night, I'm thinking, I should be in bed now, you know, I should be in bed, I've got to get up at half five. You know, it's that, it's that whole mental thing that, uh, and, and in a way, you're dreading it. It's like torture a little bit. And then <laughs> as I'm doing, as I'm running back down my drive this morning after doing eight miles, I'm like, ready to take on the world now. I'm ready to take on the world. And it, and it just gives you that release, I guess. And uh, yeah, met, met, um, met Paul through a, a mutual friend. Um, was introduced to the great work that he's been doing with his charity and his story is fascinating and you'll let, obviously hear all about that next week. Um, so yeah, and we just hit it off straight away. You know, we just we just got on. We was from the same area in Hull originally and yeah, just, just you know, it was like we've known each other all our lives really. It was just, we just became really close almost instantly and um, he had a passion for running and challenges, and we used to bounce that off each other. So we, 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 um, he, he got the opportunity to run the New York Marathon. He said, "Do you want to do it with me?" I was like, "Yeah, I'd love to do a, <laughs> do a New York Marathon." And then our, our mutual friend, he, he came along as well, and we, we just had the time of our lives. You know, it was it was it was brilliant. It was it was one of the you know, best experiences of, of my life, really, just running running that marathon and spending time with with the boys and a bit of release at the end of it. And it, it was great. So we, we made a vow to each other that we would, um, we would run the six majors, which are um, New York, Chicago, Boston, London, um, Berlin and Tokyo. So we're sort of, how many left have we got to do? I think we're four, we're four in and we've got, um, we've got Tokyo, and I've got London to do, but them, them two have got Boston to do. So I'm going to miss out on the Boston one, but they're going to do Boston first. I'm going to do London this year, hopefully. 
and then we're all going to finish in Tokyo next year. Wow. It's be awesome. So really looking forward <laughs> to that. So, yeah. So yeah, it's great. And mentally, I think, you know, we were talking about it before, weren't we, James, about how that release, you know, everybody mm-hmm. needs some release and whether that's playing golf, whether it's baking, cooking, walking the dog, you know, whatever it may be, I think it's so, so important for our mental health and our mental well-being that we have that release. And, you know, like we spoke about, there are other releases which, you know, you don't want to go down those those paths. You want to you stay on the healthy ones as much as you can. And then I think it's so important, especially in business, when you need a clear head and, you know, you, you've been at, been at your desk seven, eight hours a day and, you know, you, you need some space, whether that's in the middle of the day or at the end of the day or before the day starts. I generally like to do all my exercise before I get to work because I see it as a bit of a challenge. I think if I can get this done, there's nothing during the day that is going to be harder than what I'm doing now. So what's, there is nothing that's, that's going to stop me. So that's the way I see it. And then sometimes I like to, I like to break my day up um, because I'm a morning person. So I have, I have my exercise and then I'm on it and I'm on it. And I can go right through till about two o'clock and then I just crash. I'm just, I might as well be at home in bed because I'm just like, I just, you know, I'm just more or less useless, but, you know, I stick at it and I end up going on about six, half six-ish on a night, something like that. But what, what, I've, what I've started to do is, is, is on a lunchtime, have, so, have a break in the day. So I might go for a swim, I might just go for a walk, I might go to the calf, I might do something, something that's non-work related so that I can just recharge them batteries a little bit to, to see me through the afternoon. I'm not as good in the afternoon. I can't perform like I can perform in the morning in the afternoon, but it just helps break break my day up, I guess. You know what I mean? It just helps me a little bit. Um, so, yeah, definitely a morning person. If I, if I need to do it in terms of um, work-wise, I'm, let's get it done in the morning. I'm, I'm with you on that. I, there's always, um, at the end of the day, there's always an email that comes through that's more important than going to the gym or going for a run. You've not, you haven't got the same energy levels. I certainly, I, I, both of us are, are in, uh, in the same with that, that you don't have the same energy levels at the end of the day. So now I'm with you on that is, yeah, get, get your exercise. When I'm, when I'm properly training, I'm 6 a.m. You know, either getting up at 6 or at the, at the gym at 6. And then you can just be thinking about the day ahead. And I often find myself making notes on my phone so when I come out of that, you know, and I'm with my team, I'm I'm, a, I'm ahead of the game. I'm just I've got loads of clarity for the for the day ahead. So, yeah, that's massive, massive for me, right? Um, but as we, as we wrap up, as as we wrap up, where can people find you? <laughs> yeah, well, we've got, um, obviously both our websites, eon-media.com, which is the Eon website, and SpringfieldSolutions.co.uk is the Springfield one. But we are also on Twitter at Eon Media at Springfield Souls I think it is uh, Instagram and LinkedIn if you just search for either Eon Visual Media or Springfield Solutions you should find us there so give us a follow and I'm just at, at Matt Das if people want to 
bad luck too. It's a bit boring, really, isn't it? You know, just about running and uh, cooking and stuff like that. <laughs> I, I like watching from afar. I like, I like. Uh, it makes me smile watching from afar. I d- I've done a couple of half marathons, and one being uh, Paul's. Uh, oh, yeah. and never yeah my, my knees for the three months after were just like yeah when they, they let me know that they'd done a half marathon and, and made me aware I shouldn't <laughs> maybe do one again so um, yeah I'll watch from a farm and, and give you a give you a big thumbs up from uh, from a distance but crack it thanks for being on the show uh, and um, and offering the value you have it's been it's been great learning about your business and, and more about you as, as a mate as well so uh, take care yourself won't you yeah thanks a lot buddy that's great cheers bud see you soon cheers bye bye thank you so much for joining us on the business lockdown please comment like share and subscribe to help build our global community we look forward to seeing you all soon